and welcome back to another <laughs> another installment of Baltimore County Forever podcast. Oh no! I, wait, wait, real quick. Wait, wait. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> all right, you on the podcast, yo? I just want to know where'd you find this? <laughs> where'd you find this at, yo? Yo, the I wanna butter you up. <laughs> Shit, somebody posted it. <laughs> yo, somebody went to change Valentina's song. Yo. This shit is hilarious, yo. I could not stop laughing. I wanna butter you up. I wanna. Oh man. Hi, Uncle Corey. Hey, what's up, man? Hi. You good? Yes. You on my podcast? That's cool. That's cool. That's good, man. Everything all right with you? Yes. Good. Very good. I'm going to see you soon, okay? Okay. All right, man. (laughs) (laughs) I want to butter you. Yeah. I want to butter you. (laughs) Butter. Butter. All the songs are like that. <laughs> it's like not mixed, mastered, none of that shit. Right. Oh, man. All right, man. I'll let you later. All right, boy. All right. <sighs> yeah, I got, I, y'all got to hear this shit. I want to butter you up. <laughs> I ain't doing as good as she did. I wanna butter you up. <laughs> I wanna butter you up. Oh I wanna butter you up. Imagine if I buttered you up. <laughs> this life is kinda crazy. I'm feeling a little hazy. I'm supposed to be a lady. I wanna butter you up. I wanna butter you up. I wanna butter you up. Butter, butter, butter. I wanna butter you up. Yo, whoever you are. Yo. I wanna butter you up. Yo, whoever you are. I pretty. I hope you go viral. I swear to God, I hope you go viral, man. Anyway, welcome back to another installment of Baltimore County Vibe Podcast. What up, though? We going three for three. I ain't, I'm not jumping into a whole bunch of, oh, what about this week? This happened this week. This, that. Man, listen, let's get into the episode. Aline's back. Yeah. Host of The Great <laughs> Porncast. Uh... <laughs> Ant pulled me aside. He's like, hey, yo, tell him he can't be dropping porn cast on Sunday. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. You're right. It's, it's a little weird. Hey, yo. These have sex on Sunday, though. Um, but <laughs> I mean, It's a day that ends in Y. <laughs> oh, 
Oh man, that's what you leave with, nigga. Like, what's up with y'all, man? Yeah, uh, this would be uh, the third installment of the book of hip hop. Um, we have, you know, we're as you know from last week's episode. I'm getting really great responses on the episode. People love it. Um, we're using the Chuck D book. Um. What, what's the name of it? This day in hip hop history. This day in rap and hip hop history. All right, so um, yeah, man, we uh, I, I, it's a pretty dope idea. Um, what was your favorite part about last week's episode, Lynn? Um, definitely talking about the juvenile. Mm. Um, what was it ninety nine? Um, because it definitely hit up my homegirl. Yeah, I sent her the link. And she was like, that shit was too long. I had to wait an hour to hear you talk about it. <laughs> um, but, you know what I'm saying? Just, I mean, number one, the memories. And number two, man, just, just, uh, yeah, the memories of that time, just how dope that was. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into it, man. We're going to start with, uh, let me see what Josh gave me. Shout out to Applehead. Um... July, July 15th, um, cool. I want to make sure, I think it's 2009, um, but, uh, let's see, um, July 15th, 2009, now, let me, um, let me update you guys, basically, so what we do, we take the book, um, I asked people to give us random dates from what year it starts? Uh, starts in 71. 1971 to about 2016. Yeah. Any random date, we'll look the date up or whatever is closest to the date that I'm given, and we'll read off hip-hop history, and we'll, you know, give you a little background information of what we have on the artist or that time period, whatever, whatever resonates with us, memories, any of that. So, that's how the episode goes. So, what do you got, Aline? She said July. July 15th, All right. 2009. There is no July. <clears throat> so what we got, so. the closest we got is June 29th and September 8th. So June 29th, Young Money Entertainment announces signing Toronto actor and MC mm. Drake to his label. Mm-hmm. After a huge bidding war involving several labels, Drake went with the Lil Wayne, the Lil Wayne imprint after the latter was introduced to the Canadians' music via Jazz Prince son of rap lot Records founder Jay Prince with the two eventually touring together. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Drake, Drake then went, excuse me, I've been drinking, so okay. Mm-hmm. Drake That's then became mix. part of Lil Wayne's musical clique, Young Money, while not yet having signed with the label, which was also home to artists such as Nicki Minaj and Tiger. Drake, who had previously been part of the cast on the long-running Canadian teen drama Degrassi, The Next Generation, had already achieved chart success with three mixtapes. Um, and then September 8th. <clears throat> now, I like this one. Jay-Z, re- Jay-Z releases his 11th album, The Blueprint 3, on Rock Nation. The chart-topping, platinum-selling third album of the Blueprint series contained five hit singles, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum Empire State of Mind featuring Alicia Keys, which topped the R&B, hip-hop, and rap charts, the Grammy-nominated DOA Death of Autotune, which reached number 15 on the rap chart, Young Forever featuring Mr. Hudson, 
the Grammy nomin Grammy nominated on to the next one to Swiss Beats Run This Town with Rihanna and Kanye and blah 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 blah. Alright, so yeah, it's a whole bunch of Alright, so let's start with Drake. <clears throat> right. Um let's see, that's 2009. Mm -hmm. Prior to 2009, what was the last biggest act to really take the eye of hip hop? Mm -hmm. Say 50. That was, but that was 2001. Um. Yeah, I I'd agree with that, especially with like all the hype. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, because I think, yeah, 50 was a, he was, and I, and I think that was only because it was so much, he had the backing of Dre and Eminem, mm -hmm. and Eminem, Eminem was hot, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying, everybody was still riding his coattails, so yeah, I say 50. Let's rewrite history, Uh huh. right? Let's say Drake doesn't sign a Young Money uh -huh. and Cash Money. Mm -hmm. Who does Drake sign to in order to reach the same stardom that he has today? Rock Nation. Sign with Jay? Mm-hmm. Do you think he would have been Drake or do you think he would have been J. Cole? He would have been... I think he still would have been Drake. Okay. Yeah. I I think so because, I mean, even though <clears throat> I might get flamed for this, I'm not a Drake fan. Mm -hmm. I'm not... I, well, I'll, I'll take that back. I'm not a Drake fan to the point where, like, going on this date, mm -hmm. you know, 2009, if you're looking at June and September... I was more geeked up for the Blueprint 3. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Drake coming out. And Drake was on that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, you know, Drake, Drake, Drake. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, like to me, I just wasn't as sold. Um, but I still think he would have been who he is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, let's let's move move on to the to whole. Was it imperative for him to continue on with the series of Blueprint? Imperative? No, because they I didn't I didn't know that there was like there was a, a aim to it. Mm -hmm. I I just knew Blueprint came out, had the takeover, had girls 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 on it, and of course I remember uh, I think the source gave that one five mics. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, if it was I, if we're talking about a series, I think Blueprint two he could have done without that one. Um, but I don't think it was imperative. I I fucking love this album. Mm. Um, and the and the crazy part is, there is a version of the CD with this song that isn't that is on some of the albums and it's not on some of them. They did it with Snoop too. Um, Jock and Jay Z. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. You see you, Jock and Jay-Z, yeah. Jock and Jay-Z. Wait, there's a Blueprint 3 version with that on it? Uh-huh. Huh. And I think that... Physical copy? Mm-hmm. And I think that might be the European releases. Because they that did that sense. when I was in... When when uh, Snoop came out, there was a song called... Um, what Snoop? What era of Snoop are we talking about? 92 Snoop. Okay. Doggy Style. Okay. I think the song was G's and Hustlers. Either G's Up, Hoes Down, or G's and Hustlers. And the only reason I heard it was because being in Europe, it was on the European releases. But when we bought the CDs on bass, because they were getting shipped in from the States, um, it didn't have that song on there. So I think the European releases had that Jock and Jay-Z. 
Um, that bloke from Oasis said I couldn't play the guitar. Somebody yeah. should have told him I'm a, a fucking, fucking rap, rap star. star. Yep. Today is gonna be the day that I'm going back right to yo. Yeah, I really love that song. Mm-hmm. I really love that song. Yeah. Um, is that the only song that was on the European version? Mm-hmm. That was like leading into so Blueprint three released in September. Mm-hmm. I want to say that was like. <clears throat> It had to be summertime. It had to be summertime, and I believe that was the Glow in the Dark tour that they premiered it. It was him and Kanye, because Kanye produced it. He produced, I mean, it was a whole bunch of producers on it. No, 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 he produced Jock and Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I think, I want to say that was the Glow in the Dark tour that they premiered it. In England, right? No, I, I think I remember hearing about that. I know that that verse that I just sung was about the English dude talking about he shouldn't. He should uh, kept his mouth shut. Yeah, he should have. Um, he shouldn't have been the the headliner for whatever that festival yeah. was that was over there. Glass Rose. I, I can't think of that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's still one of my favorite albums, man. I mean, let me ask you something. I don't think anybody's ever talked about like this. I mean, they ran around about what? Everybody loved Blueprint One. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The the majority of people hated Blueprint Two. Uh-huh. So that's why he came out with 2.5, right? Uh-huh. Do you feel like he was coming back with Blueprint 3 to make up for Blueprint 2 years mm-hmm. later? Mm-hmm. Try to revisit it and like, all right, I know I gave y'all. He even said he was like, fuck, too many songs. Blame, uh, I think he said blame Guru. Okay. Or something like that. Like, um, when he was listing his albums, his favorite mm-hmm. albums of his. Mm-hmm. Um... I like Blueprint too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very slept on. I like regular Blueprint too and two point five only because he had stop on there. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's very slept on. Yeah, because I mean, even the first song, um, it was all a dream. That that Ooh. was, real. and then you got that, and on the <clears throat> on the black CD, um, you know you had the you know you had the heavy D. Um, you know, he produced the song that he did with Lenny Kravitz. Guns and Roses. Gun- yeah, that was tight. Uh, As One with the... Uh, I love that. That's one of my... With the ones yes. with the flames yes, the earth- and the fire Terrell up a little bit. And, and you know I'm a... Shout sim- out Terrell, dog. If that's my baby. That's my baby. Yo, let's... Not, not for nothing, man. Rockefeller had some R&B... Hits, mm-hmm. especially with um, Krishan. Yes, Krishan was a really that ghetto Cyrano, mm, man. And yes. I want to say it's like only like five people even remember that album. No, nah, I gotta play my joint. What's my joint? Uh, zoop, zoop. Yes, <laughs> sir. Yeah, man. See, people don't. You just had to be there. Mm-hmm. You had you. What they say? You wasn't outside. Mm-hmm. And they only had. Oh, there it is. Chapter two. The relationships. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, this is. Midnight 
white ecstasy. That's yeah. Right. Yo, you know what? I didn't realize. Um, I think uh, when we were talking about the reason uh-huh. last episode, I don't know if people realize that Jay Z, Seagull, and Scarface had a hell of a run, uh-huh. and it started with. I don't know who it started. Did it with. start with Mac and Brad? I think, well, I don't know. It was weird because all of that happened around the same time. But, you know, that album never got made. No, I'm talking about the song Mac and Brad. Oh, the song Mac. But they were supposed to do an album. Yes. Yeah, yeah, That never got made. Mm-hmm. But I think it started with that. But I want to say because um, when Scarface, when they did that album on The Fix, mm-hmm. and then they did the album on The Reason, and then they did an album here, Somehow, Someway. Mm-hmm. Um, that man, I think that would have been a hell of an album between those three. Mm. Um, let me double check, make sure he was on the reason. Cause I wanna cool. Say, uh, Scarface. Scarface is on the reason. Um, and maybe I'm thinking of this one. What was he on on the reason? I, I'm uh, not gonna try to say it's a miscellaneous song, but I really don't remember. No. Uh, Scarface is definitely on the reason, bro. Yeah, mom, mom praying, mom praying. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that man, Jay Z, Beanie Siegel, and Scarface, mm-hmm. man. They, bro, that was that was a hell of a run. I didn't realize that he was on. Uh, I kind of skip over that song, only because on the curse, mm-hmm. the, the black disc, um, it's got as one. Mm-hmm. Now the the bonus tracks after that. I don't, I don't like them. Bonus tracks on the black disc. Oh, what's that like? What's that uh, the the non Sean Paul version of what we gonna do? Yeah. What you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I, I like Blueprint too. But compared to Blueprint three, um, yeah, he 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 wanted to, and then also Blueprint three kind of ended that that auto tune run, um, which in a sense ended. T Pain's run, mm-hmm. but it also gave us T Pain, the real T Pain. Like, yo, you really can sing. Like he was forced to be. Mm-hmm. I still, I'm still trying to figure out. All right, on the Blueprint two, on the Blue CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course it's not on here. Kanye West did a. He did a song. And he rapped under some name. Oh, 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 the bounce. But I don't remember what the name was. Magazines call me a rasta. Girls call me cockstar. Raise something. Yeah. It was weird. I never, I never. But says out. his name in the in the in the lyrics. Yeah, I never understood that. Hey, oh, ask me, Ray Ray, is that your car? Sing MTV. I know well, who, who you, you are. Yeah. You did take over. Do you got beef with Nas? Yeah. Excuse me, Miss. It was on a blueprint too. I love that song. Mm. That is such a that's such a grown sexy yeah. slide to the left, slide yeah. to the right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but yeah. So blueprint two, blueprint three. That's uh. That's uh. Let me let me call out the big dogs real quick. Doing something different this time. Let's call Vic. See see if Vic is. Yo, you are live on the podcast. What 
<laughs> Aleem is in the building. What's happening? What up? What up? All right, I need a date from you. Um, anywhere from 1970 to 2016. Um, let's go with October 11th, 88. Uh, November 1st, Slick Rick releases his debut solo album, The Great Adventures of Slick Rick on Def Jam. This is good. Yeah, <laughs> after releasing a couple of yeah, November 1st. Uh, after releasing a couple of crack classic tracks with Dougie Fresh and the Get Fresh crew, like the show and Lottie Dottie in 85, Rick finally released his own debut solo album three years later, and it was an instant classic. His fluid storytelling spawned three hits, Teenage Love, Hey Young World, and Children's Story, which is one of the greatest songs of hip-hop history. The beat of the latter fueled Montel Jordan's classic, uh, 1990s hit uh, Smash This Is How We Do It the album also featured such cult classic album cuts like Treat It Like a Prostitute Indian Girl uh, Mona Lisa and The Rulers Back uh, produced by Rick The Bomb Squad and Jam Master J the uh, platinum album reached number 31 on the Billboard number 1 R&B chart what did they say about Montel Jordan? It, it's just he sampled it he did? he sampled uh, um, Story Really? Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah. The dun dun Go fucking figure. I, I, I think the album I, I think the album came out in the summer, but it might have been just a single that like that was out at the time. Hmm. It might have just been with a pink volume then I was just one the next summer. Hmm. Like, um, what do you what do you remember about um Slick Rick coming on the scene? I mean, like from from the show, actually, like you know, when they did when they did the show, and you know, with him robbing with with the action, and then it was like people that was coming after was you know trying to pick up like. You know, Ronald with a British type accent or whatever. You know what I mean? So like, um if you if you listen to um what's the name that I'll be sure my name is I'll be sure or you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. if you listen to it it's like he's trying to rhyme like in the same style as like Slick Rick if you pay attention to it. But it's just like, you know, him and him and his style was just like it was wow. It was wild. Like the show the show was one of the greatest like skills and Hmm, yeah. See I remember I remember um like a children's story came out. And the thing about a children's story is it wasn't just a song, it was the video that was funny. It I think the video right. helped make the song. Um yeah, the visual, the visual definitely. Um, give me one more date, Vic. Give me something uh, in the nineties, though. Um, let's just go with like April twenty second, ninety four. All right, let me see. Ooh, ninety four. Got a lot of shit. Uh, ooh, okay. Let me see. 
All right, so uh, April 26, 94. Um, eh, okay, so, all right, so it says, uh, I want to say 94, uh, Illmatic came out too. Yeah. In April, but April 26th, all right, Outkast released their debut album, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music on the Face. The bold and innovative set by the famed Atlanta duo. Uh, produced by the funky production team, Organized Noise was highly anticipated in the wake of the success of their gold, first gold-selling chart-topping single, Players Ball, which was released in November 93. The set's fresh and unique sound was influenced by multiple sources such as P-Funk, Prince, Sly and the Family Stone, uh, and hip-hop from Houston. Uh, it reached spending 26 weeks on the Billboard 200. It got up to number 20. And let's see. And it also talks about uh, they made the single Get Up, Get Out, which had the Goody Mob. Um, yeah, man. All right, let me ask y'all both a question. And I just, well, actually, I want y'all to finish the statement. Without organized noise, there would be no... Georgia, Southern Rap. Hmm. The whole sound of the Goody Noise Dungeon family. You know what I mean, they I guess just birthing that whole style from from goodies, you know what I mean, outcast, they just they were basically that that sound. You know what I mean? That's like if if you didn't have the bomb squad for public enemy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Would public enemy still have hit the same production wise, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because like their production, even though Chuck was the lyricist that he was, but those beats that they had back then was were ridiculous. Even from jumping to Ice Cube's first solo, America's Most Wanted, the Bomb Squad was his soundtrack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He used them as an East Coast production team for him coming from the West Coast. So, I mean, like, Organized noises is is for something you know. What about you, Elaine? Um, you know what? Let's switch this. Without Outcast, there would be no who. Oh man! Without Outcast, uh, um, I think without Outcast, there'd be no Goody Mob. Which would be there would be no CeeLo Green. Mm. Um No, they came out they came out after I think that first or second album because they were supposed to be like the edgier version of Outcast. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's what they said in the uh in that documentary. In the documentary. Yo, it was you... the hip hop uh evolution of hip hop? I think oh, so. Yeah, the, 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 the yeah. yeah, you know what's oh, crazy yeah. is uh, my mom sat down because we were in Atlanta because you know the youngin goes to school down there, and we we dropping her off, and I don't know for some reason I started watching it, and mom's grabbed a tablet and she watched the whole organized noise. That's really good too. Yeah, like, that and the evolution hip. Both of those joints are really good. I thought she was just gonna watch it for like five minutes. No, she watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And like for me, like that's kind of telling. Like if she's getting into it, like 
Yeah, but I think without Outkast, without Organized Noise, to me, one of the greatest albums, one of the greatest slept on albums is Cool Breeze, East Point's Greatest Hits. Cool Breeze? Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What was that, um, that song that he had, that collaboration that he had, that release single that he had? Oh, uh, Watch Out for the Hook. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to me, that wasn't even the best song on the album. Mm. You know, but I think, man, that organized noise, man, they was, I mean, without them, you wouldn't have, I don't think you would have Southern. I mean, yeah, you had Houston. You had Luke doing his thing in Miami. Mm-hmm. But you had, you know, that was that that bass, you know, him and uh, Mr. Mike, mm-hmm. you know, but I think organized noise changed the whole scope of Southern rap. They definitely put Atlanta, Atlanta sound to the mainstream because, like, you had you had Southern, you know, you had artists that was coming out of Atlanta, but it wasn't anybody that was really taken seriously to that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Of what Outkast did, exactly. you know what I mean? You and had, like the TLCs, but that was a, a female like R and B type group. Outkast really like. People started really paying attention. Yeah. To Atlanta rappers at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And shit, without Outkast, we wouldn't have Killer Mike. Yeah, or Future. Yeah. Right, yeah, because you told me this, and I didn't realize that, but Future is Dungeon Family. Mm-hmm. Future is uh one of them cousins. One more, um, one more bit before you go. I'm going to pick November 17th, 19th. 98. I'll give you a preview for the episode. Mm. Are we trying to put together? I feel like this is a perfect opportunity. You said November what? 17th. Okay, we got uh, November 24th. Uh, RZA as Bobby Digital releases the album Bobby Digital in Stereo. Fuck! On G Street Records, exploring the, <laughs> the adventures of RZA's fun loving. <laughs> <laughs> the resurrector, the tickler, the regal, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> when the sperm hits the egg in the egg. <laughs> Yo, I I gotta skip past that part yeah. of the show. I do. I, man. Yo, you like so? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Rakim. But then it also says. <laughs> The week before November 10th, Method Man came out with To Cap. Well, fuck it. We still with them niggas. Yeah. All right. Shout out to the Wolf. Right, right, right. I ain't trying to get jumped. Did, did, did you watch the um the documentary on Showtime? Yes. It, I did not realize that after they did their first solo albums, everybody wanted it out of their contract. Yeah. That's why their second albums all just tanked. Mm-hmm. I didn't even pay attention to this To Cal 2000 because I'm like, eh, it just. It was like one of the, the <laughs> highest grossing albums that year. I think that did six six hundred thousand out the gate. <clears throat> okay. You said you said who second album? Say. Uh, uh, Met the man. Oh right. Now let me ask y'all because I remember. Uh, actually, Ant had brought this to my attention. Do y'all remember any of their second albums? Like, were any of their second albums classic? Mm mm. Mm mm. like. I wasn't a big enough fan like that, so you know what I mean. Cacao, I got, I got with Cacao, but 
because of other Tom, but I wasn't a big Mets fan. Like, like Ghost, Ghost stood out to me more in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or I even like Dirty. You know what I mean? So it was like. See, I was I was a for huge me, Ghost for Ghost first album to his second album. You know what I mean? Like Ghost had the most success releasing multiple albums. Yes, I agree. And see, I was that, that, I, that definitely did you know that put numbers up or yeah. stayed somewhere in rotation. You know what I mean? Constantly, whenever he was releasing something. Right. Everybody else had like everybody else had a struggle. I mean, Dirty Dirty did it with his with the first two. You know what I mean? The uh, the Thirty Six Chamber joint, and then the um, Got Your Money joint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He both both of them, you know what I mean, managed to do fairly well for him. Ray never came with a second album until way later. And then everybody else, nobody was really checking for. Mm. And see, I was I was a huge Method Man fan. So of course when Takao came out, I'm I'm all in. So when Takao two thousand came out, I was like, I heard of course, you know, it's, it's saying it's got the one song with with D'Angelo that breakups to makeups. And that's what Rhapsody sample, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But the rest of that man, I, I was not I was like, nah, I wasn't I wasn't into it at mm. all. Mm. Not at all. Is Ghostface still the one with the most classic albums amongst them? Yeah. I mean I would have to say yeah because yeah. he had he had more projects that he released. As a solo and he releases way more, way more product than mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. Who in the Wu Tang is somebody that this generation identifies the most? Is it just Raekwon? Method Man. R- rappers, rappers wise, rapper wise. Like you know how? All right, so this is my thinking, right? It's certain people within hip hop that had an effect in the '90s and 2000s that. The artists that come out now, they identify with them and they seek their approval. Now on my list, mm. it's it's Raekwon, mm-hmm. it's Jada Kiss, Styles, and Bun B. Mm-hmm. Now is Ghostface and Method Man along those lines of rappers that these newer rappers look up to and seek their approval? I I, I think like you said, it, it's Raekwon, Ghost, and Method Man. Mm. Only because like to me, they're the they're the face of Wu Tang, mm. along with RZA. It's those four. But I think anybody else, nah, they niggas is not. And it's fucked up. It's just about about the sound. I don't think people are searching for a Jizza verse, nah, unless they came up Listening. in that era. Yep. Yep. Right. Right. And I mean, like, Liquid Swords was a hard album. But it's like, I think you have so much over, over your head type metaphors, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That the average person just wouldn't, wouldn't have just got like that. You know what I mean? Like that album was a, a classic album. <clears throat> but, you know, sometimes you throw people too much too soon. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can't really relate to it. So if, if you was a core fan or you know what I mean, you just was onto it like that, then you would get it. But for the average person who had hip hop at that time, people wasn't getting it. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. But it was a great album, actually. It's really missing it. All right, Vic, I appreciate you. Uh, th- th- yeah, cut me in between daddy duties. Yeah, yeah, I know. Put <laughs> uh, the love in your pocket. What's up, Vic? Appreciate you, Vic. Right on, right on. Okay. All right. Yeah, all right, bro. Yeah, so uh, that was Vic of Crook Street Radio. Uh, very instrumental in me doing like continuing on with podcasting, helping me a lot. Um, but uh, who? What we got? What we got? You got you got a date for me? Is he me? Yes. <laughs> who me? Yeah, what? Well, all right, I'm gonna randomly just turn in. Actually, I'm gonna close the book. Cause you know what I want to do. I want to do that '98, bro. Pick a page in '98. No, 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 nigga. Oh, okay, okay. Pick a page in that book. Say the page number. Okay, pick a page. All right, let me see. Uh, third one down. Let me see. You got November eighth. Eight Mile was released. Eight Mile. That's, okay. Let's just do Eight Mile, yeah. And then also, because we were talking about it earlier, November twelfth, Blueprint Two was released. Alright, let's go with um, 8 Mile. So, 8 Mile. Um, being from Detroit, um, 8 Mile is like when the movie came out. Let me see, this is 2002. So, I had gone to. Remember, a couple years later, I had taken a trip down to um, uh, this Air Force base in Texas for some training. And I met this cat. He, was, he had came over from Italy. And. At the time, you know, he was telling me about his girlfriend. She was Italian, and her little sister was a huge Eminem fan, and how she wanted to go to Detroit just to go to Eight Mile. Um, to me, growing up, like anybody who saw the movie, um, everybody thinks it's kind of like it's kind of like being here in Baltimore. The Wire. The Wire. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad used to come out here, and he used to be like, "Oh, I want to see The Wire." I'm like, um, there's not a place. <laughs> like they used to just put up the cameras, tell the actors to act, and everybody else just keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not a place. Um, but actual the thing about Eight My Soul, so this one says Eminem made his acting debut in this semi autobiographical film, which was directed by Curtis Hansen, co star Kim Basinger and Makai Pfeiffer. Um, as proof, you know, rest in peace, proof. Um, critically acclaimed film opened at number one. Eminem's song "Lose Yourself" from the soundtrack won an Oscar for best original song and the first hip hop song to win an Academy Award. Uh, Multi platinum soundtrack debuted at number one, which had Rakim, Nas, Jay Z, Gangstar, Obi Trice, Missy Gray, and others. Um, people don't know what Eight Mile represents. Okay. All right. Um, and you know, talked about it earlier. Um, what Eight Mile is is the dividing line between the city and the suburbs. It runs. I'm from the West Side, so it runs pretty much the entire length of the city. Now, growing up as a kid, I grew up on Six Mile and Myers. Um, and my brother had family on Eight Mile and Trojan. Um, anybody who grew up in Detroit in the 80s would tell you about Northland Skating Rink. 
um, which was on 8 Mile. To me, and then there was a mall across the street, like when you crossed 8 Mile, it's called Northland Mall. Um, there was a movie theater called the Americana, which we, we used to, yo, know, the, the, the crazy part is about the Americana, I used to go there, you know, hanging out with my brother or whatever, and it was metal detectors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me, that was normal. So I never forget, man, I was down in Mississippi, and we had gone to the movies, me, me and the fellas, and I walked in, I was like, damn, they got metal detectors here. And everybody was like, what? Mm. Like, where are To you? the movie theater? To the movie theater, bruh. They just was shooting a movie theater? Brother, Americana used to be crazy. Man. This is the 90s? This is the 80s and the 90s. All right, so, um, yeah, so, so with 8 Mile, like, as a kid growing up, it was like, the closer you live to eight mile, because that was that was the beginning of um not not the beginning, but that was the epitome of white flight in like my neighbor and from what I remember. You've mentioned white flight before in the last episode. What exactly yeah. is white flight? All right, what white flight is like during um if anybody, you know, li- you know, listening, ask your parents, your grandparents, what, you know, um anybody you grew up in, especially in the sixties. Before desegregation, um, most like, for example, in the Bronx, like basically everybody who came back from World War II came back like the country was flourishing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, we're going to move out of these these neighborhoods where, you know, you got um, in Detroit, you had a neighborhood called um, Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad grew up there, my, my um, grandparents grew up there, and it was just a pocket of black people. Um, in Atlanta, I want to say it's the Fourth Ward, and I think now it's called Edgewood, where ML, where the MLK house is. Mm-hmm. That was a predominantly black area. Um, but then after desegregation, um, a lot of white people moved out to the suburbs. And a lot of suburbs were invented then. Case in point, here in Baltimore, um, in 1960, I want to say 1967, don't quote me on that, but one of the first malls was built in Glen Burnie. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Herondale? Yeah. That That is the site of the first one of the first malls that was built in this country. Now, when you think about, you know, bring bring it back to the political skate. When you think about nowadays, when they say "Make America Great Again," mm-hmm. it's bringing back that sight of that Leave It to Beaver, you know, like when exactly <laughs> when you drive through. Like I was driving through. Um, matter of oh, fact, the picket fence. The 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 picket fence. When you see houses in this neighborhood, uh-huh. when you go down on Campfield. And you see how those houses are stacked. Those houses were built in the 50s and 60s. Mm. This house was built in 1957. Really? Yeah. So this, so these these neighborhoods were built for white people to escape the inner cities. Mm. And, of course, when they went, they took their economic base with them. Um. So, like, my mom... She went to high school. She graduated from high school in 1969. Five, five years after desegregation. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's legal on the books, it's still, you, you know, you, 
you're not going to get that mentality out of people's minds, especially when you fresh off of being made to sit at the back of the bus. Mm-hmm. When you're fresh off of being legally segregated against. Um, she went to a high school at the very edge of Detroit. Um, and my grandfather used to tell her, get on the bus, don't get off till you get to school, get back on the bus, and come back home. Mm-hmm. Don't go wandering off, you know, da da da, because black people weren't welcome. So, um, when it comes to Eight Mile, like as a kid, it was like if you had money, you moved closer to Eight Mile. Like my brother's dad owned a business. Um, so to me, they was rich because they lived one block off of Eight Mile. But, um, then if you lived across eight mile, you were really rich. I remember what was that, 90, 95. My grandparents moved out of their house in the city and they moved to an apartment complex close to nine mile, between eight and nine mile. Okay. To me, I was like, oh, we made it. Like, Granny and Pop moved out the city, they moved across eight mile. Like, we good. And. You know, now you just realize, like, it's just somewhere to go. Um, so that's what 8 Mile represents. It's, it's actual social and cultural significance, especially in the political and social and cultural landscape of this country. Mm. Um, and and to me, when I, you know, like, yeah, when, when, when people see the movie, they think, you know, oh, I'm gonna go to Eight Mile. First of all, Eight Mile is, is Eight Mile is nothing, but it's got some strip clubs on it. Um, shout out to HT. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of that place? I don't know. HT's right there on Eight Mile. Uh, she, me, and my cousin did some ratchet shit in there, but it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, that's that's literally all it means. And so, if you watch the movie, is is him trying to make it to a certain point and him getting stuck you know and until he can push through with his rap career mm-hmm. you know so yeah that's that alright so what we're going to do is for the last one of the night we're going to call on to my good sister the host of Raw Brown Sugar Podcast right right the great Stacy, let's give Stacy a call. Hello, hey, hey there, sister of mine. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Got a lean on the episode with us. What up? Oh, hey, what's up? What up? What up, though? Not much, not much keeping up with your memes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it get a little wild over there. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. <laughs> <laughs> I like them, yo. Nice, <laughs> right, Daisy. What's up? What's what's going on with the podcast? New episode coming? Yes, a new episode will be coming out where once again, Huss and I will be arguing over things that are going on in the world. So. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be the next episode. So it'll be out this week. Perfect. 
Man, Huss hus, hus is something else. <laughs> uh, I get a headache every time, but I like it. I don't know. It yeah. works. <laughs> Man, I enjoy those episodes. I say, you know what? Uh, I, I got something to get me through the day. <laughs> at least at least an hour, hour and a half of my day. I'm like, I'm good. I hear niggas argue, and I ain't even got to argue. I argue with myself <laughs> like, well, this nigga kind of got a point there. <laughs> Like, damn, when he does have one, I'll be like, damn, you got it. <laughs> he be like, so I'm saying, though. Like, <laughs> nigga, you right. You right. But um, exactly. I'm hitting you up, and uh, want, I want to get a date from you. Uh, August 6, 2002. Ooh. Wow, that's oh. right on the money. Okay. Um, August 6, 2002. Scar- Scarface releases his seventh studio album, The Fix. Ooh. Debuting at number four on the Billboard 200 and topping the R&B hip-hop chart. Houston Rapper's seventh studio album featured guests such as Faith Evans and Nas, featuring production with Kanye, da 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 Neptunes. Uh, Scarface's first release um, was the single My Block. Bob Lock. Um, oh wow, yeah. And also Kanye produced Guess Who's Black, Guess Who's Back, featuring Jay right. and Danny Siegel. Mm. Stacy, where were you at when this album came out? I picked that date because that was my enlistment date. I went to uh basic training that day. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think I was three years in. Yeah, I was three years in. Oh, were you? Yeah. Yep. What branch are you in? I was in the Air Force. Oh, get out. Uh, where were you stationed? At that time, I was stationed up in uh, up in Alaska, up in uh, Anchorage at Elmendorf. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. You know how you always ask for stuff. I asked for all East Coast bases. They said, no, Lake and Heath. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, it's cute. I know you want to stay close to family, but it's <laughs> Right, exactly. Just give you the Atlantic Ocean, just the other side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, off topic, how how has the Air Force changed you guys' life? You said how did it change my life? Yeah. I can't hear you. Oh, it does make you a lot more disciplined. Like, um, and it does actually kind of make you more of like, as far as like working in the team atmosphere, it does kind of help you with that because like you can't even make it through Warrior Week without going through some obstacle course with a fake. M16 on your arm without somebody else with you. Um, and you guys both have to make it to the end. So it kind of does teach you that. And then, of course, you know, there's some benefits at the end of it once you're done. So, you know, that I still take advantage of. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be where I am at all if it wasn't for the Air Force as far as my, my education and my, mm-hmm. and my career. Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't have made it through college. And then I wouldn't have made it through trade school if it wasn't for, A, the benefits. Like, I'm like, yo, I get out. Like, y'all giving me this money, like, for real? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. But then on top of that, I wouldn't have nothing that I have if it wasn't for the Air Force. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely not mad. I'm definitely not mad. I find that piece of paper to put my hand up. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an experience. And again, like, I'm 18 in Europe, and I got to travel, mm-hmm. you know, at, like, a really early age. I didn't have to, like, wait to establish something mm-hmm. to go ahead and go out and travel. It was just you're here, catch a train, go to Paris, get on a plane, go to Portugal. So that was that is what I love. Yeah. I got those experiences out early and making sure that I you know adjust the other closures besides what I'm used to. Right. 
exactly. Because, I mean, how many people can say they've been to Alaska? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know. Um, so let's let's go back to Scarface. What does Scarface mean to hip hop? Now I'm I'm looking past Southern hip hop. What does he mean to hip hop? Who thought he even just gets enough credit? I mean, like we, I don't feel like I just don't feel like he gets as much credit. I don't feel like he's necessarily regarded as a legend like he should be. I feel like he should be revered more. Like, do you think that Scarface should get that same credit that Bumby gets? Yep, absolutely. Mm. I think Scarface used to get that credit until Pimp C died. Yeah, then oh. that kind of made Bumby a little bit more air quotes important. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. air quotes. Yep. Because now you have to go ahead and continue on with the legacy and everybody's watching you with that. If you continue to hold up somebody else's legacy, it becomes a bigger deal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Dang, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. I did not think yeah. of that shit. That makes more sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um... But well, I mean, but but if you really think about it, even prior to Pimp C dying, it was just like he had Pimp C being in jail. Right. He had to with upstand the uh the legacy of UGK. Well, they they put they put Port Arthur on the map. Uh huh. But when he went to jail, it was like a rash of rappers going to jail. Like I think ODB was in the jail, so mm-hmm. it was kind of like, oh, he's just another rapper going to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they did have their own style of sound, um, and they would, like I say, they they were the first rappers out of Port Arthur, Texas, mm-hmm. and they was you know they wasn't like oh we claim in Houston they like no 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 we're Port Arthur mm-hmm. yeah PAT all day. Yeah, all day, but even when Pimp C went to jail it was kind of like eh, he's just another rapper going to jail, mm-hmm. but once he died it was kind of like oh shit. And like like she said, Bum B gotta gotta carry that torch. Mm-hmm. Scarface in y'all top five? Nah. Uh, no. Who? Okay. Who is in your top five that Scarface can give a run for their money? That you said was on your top five. That what? That can that Scarface can give them a run for their money. You know what's really weird? I'm not. I'm never solid on my top five. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like I really, really, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to have a top five. I take in so much music. It's hard for me to just pick. Mm. Of course, Jay Z is up there. That's mm-hmm. a given. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to, to nail it down. I want to say Jay's kiss. Um, but a run for their money. Ugh. I don't know because Scarface just got so much to say. And yeah, I can't answer that one. See, I would say my my top five would be uh, Jay Z, Biggie, mm-hmm. um, Redman, Ice Cube, and Busta Rhymes. Not bad. Is in your top five? Only because of, like, I mean, you got, bro, that run that he made. I agree. That run, yeah, I mean, you, you, everybody's like, yeah. you know, everybody wants, you know, you gotta, oh, you gotta have witty wordplay, bro. He made the greatest videos in hip hop history. Mm-hmm. Um, 
from him and Messi. Him and Messi from from Wuha to ELE. That run was incredible. Mm-hmm. I think Scarface would give him a run for his money. Lyrically, yes, yes. Do you feel like with Scarface he focused more on lyrics than anything else? Like as far as like a situation with like Busta Rhymes giving you lyrics and creative content. Do you feel like that's somewhere that Scarface lacked? No, because his create. I mean, to me, his creative content, like. Um, never seen a man die till you see a man cry. Yeah, that scared the shit out of me as a kid. And, so, and you know the thing about the thing about Scarface, I think he was one of the first rappers, and I don't think anybody else has said this up until Kid Cudi. He was one of the first rappers to talk about mental health. Mm. Yeah, he was. You know, he was one of the first ones to say, yo, I'm going through some shit. I done been through some shit. I'm, I, you know, like, uh, it's some stuff you're going to Tupac, when Smile came out. Ah, uh, some stuff you're going to see. That's yeah. going to make you cry. Yeah. It'll you know, make you smile, some shit like that. And I think he was it's one of It's a really of, good song, by the yeah. way. You know, and even, there's a song on, on The Fix, which was given five mics by The Source. Um, But I think The Source is on his way out. On, Dumb <laughs> 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 niggas been walked out the door. <laughs> but that song he did with Faith Evans, uh, I love Faith. Someday, okay. That was like to me. I'm not a religious person, you know. I don't go to church, but that song has got to be the most religious. That's word. Whoa! Uh, Listen, you made a padre. Padre. <laughs> But that's a good fucking word. Yeah, yeah. My padre <laughs> brother. <laughs> that was catchy, actually. That's that that song to me was like Scarface, he's a like he pours so much emotion mm-hmm. in his music. Mm-hmm. And that's why so content well, I think his content is different than Buster Rhymes. Okay. Okay. Alright. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Stacey, we got you for a little bit long. Can we get you for a little bit longer? Yeah, I'm here. All right. I, I mean, I, I'm going to pick a year. Okay. You pick the date. Okay. All right. Let's go for 1996. Pick a date in 96? Yeah. Okay. You pick the year. I pick hmm. the date. 1996. What was I doing? Let's see. 95, 96. Okay. If that is the case, we'll go with. No, that's 95. We'll go with, what's it say? June 1st, 96. Oh, let's see. June 1st. June 1st. I feel like we're going to hit reasonable doubt. Actually, no. Where we, reasonable doubt is like the 16th, I think. 25th. 25th. All right, what's the closest to that, though? Uh, what's the closest really? to June 1st? Is something stupid. June eighteenth, Helter Skelter releases. Nope, nope, Vic ain't on the phone. Okay, uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, no. what's I, the twenty? Actually, let's let's go with let's go with July second. Okay. Okay. Hey, that was actually my, supposed to be my due date, so that does work. Okay. So yeah. Nas releases. It was written on Columbia. Yeah. Nas's second studio album, produced in large. Part by the track masters. Which normally you need them. Uh, <laughs> featured a more mainstream, accessible debut in Nomadic. Uh, da, 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 the multi platinum spawned If I Ruled the World. Imagine that. Uh, Street Dreams. 
Nas is coming with Dr. Dre. Um, and it talks about the samples. Uh, this album is a lot of people deem this album better than Illmatic. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Stacy, because this nigga wasn't trying to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you it, are yeah, a huge. It, it's better than that's me. That's his best album. I agree. Uh <laughs> this nigga's face. Silently. <laughs> oh my god. Man, that one's that one's uh, that one's stinging. Uh, uh, so you are a huge Nas fan. Ill Mag yeah. is one of your favorite albums, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I still listen to it. All right, so my question is, coming off of Illmatic, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. How big was the uh-huh. shoes to fit to have an album equivalent to that? Huge, because Illmatic came out the gate as a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Especially yeah. with the production he had on there. I didn't have anybody that mattered at that point. Exactly. Um... It just, I mean, every every ounce of that album was soaked up, dissected, you know. Um, so when he, so when it was written, came out. Uh, that was the summer of '96. Where was I at? I was in, I was in Newport News. I was supposed to go to Hampton. Two up, two down. What up, though? Um, and I remember like hearing it. It was so commercial because it was so different than Illmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I rule the world, it's one of the greatest songs mm-hmm. ever. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It gave us that. And then, actually, you know what? <sighs> and and because what I said it last week, um, because you asked who was the best East Coast rapper to rap, rap over a Dre beat, mm-hmm. I said Nas. Mm-hmm. This is one of the songs why Nas is coming. Mm. So yeah, okay, I, I give mm-hmm. you, I give mm-hmm. y'all. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay, which has more replay value? It was written. <laughs> 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 like, I, I just, I just enjoy the album more. I still enjoy listening to you know rapping along with it and seeing what he's talking about. Like I just, I don't know. There's so many stories in that album that just keep you engaged. So. And see, my only thing is, the only reason I disagree is because I got to see Illmatic perform with the National Symphony Orchestra. And also, <clears throat> the um, the uh, the book put together by Michael Eric Dyson, because he's a huge Illmatic fan. So... Me reading all of that, seeing that performance, like that's the only reason I'm I'm glued to Illmatic. So I gotta ask you, what if they would have paid the same attention to It Was Written? Would it have swayed you? Like if you would have seen songs from It Was Written performed live by an orchestra, or if you know there were more articles and books and you know written about It Was Written, I mean, would that make a difference? I don't think so because I mean also the content of Illmatic was so heavy. Um it's yours. Um the damn, I just do wow, I'm gonna get fried for this. You know, the song with A Z, you know, um 
plus the you know the Michael Jackson sample on uh, you know and represent and all of that. So I just think overall to me, Illmatic holds more content weight. Um, but I don't I don't think it would have it would have made it. I, I I don't think you 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 can apply that same that same theory to to it was written. I don't know, I feel like it's more. It's more songs. But we just differ on that opinion, so. Yeah. We'll just agree to disagree. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was written. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll settle this with a meme on uh, on the Instagram. All right. All right, I got my Peter hands out and I'm snapping. <laughs> Bring it, Aline. <laughs> All right, I'll rest up right now. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Um, what is Nas' career without Illmatic? Oh, he wouldn't even be a legend. So if Nas came out with "It's Written First instead of Illmatic, he wouldn't be considered a legend. I don't think so. I don't feel like he would be because think about it. I mean, like Aline did say, I'll give this to Aline. Like you know, look how revered that album is above all the others despite my personal feelings about it like there's whole documentaries about just this one album like it's constantly spoken about like no other album of his is spoken about like that one is i will say that much and that's the album that made him a legend like everybody was like we knew it was him like we had to get him on you know what i'm saying like so for me personally i don't think he would have been a legend without it I was just thinking, I was just, I was just thinking that what if he had started with it was written, but like you say, that that first one was the one that put him out there. Like, hey, this guy is out here. He might have started somewhere in the middle of the pack instead of starting in the front. Mm. If it was a race of legends, okay. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like if Jay started with Value One instead of Reasonable Doubt. I mean, yeah, Reasonable Doubt. Is that a is that the same? Yeah, yeah that's comparable. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Alright. Yep. Yep. Alright. As always, Stacey, it's a pleasure talking to you. Of course. I'm um, always here when you need me. Just let me know. Um next week next week I think I think we could get back. Get back to Okay. It. You gotta catch me next week. You know I got this new job. They sent me to campus since they got a nigga doing things. You know yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's the, where's the Drake meme? Let's go! Yeah. I'm doing a whole episode about San Francisco too with the company paying for it. God, it's <laughs> on the throne. Yeah. Let's go! Right, goddammit. I'm trying to flip over to Oakland too to see if they'll pay for it. I'm going to see what I can connect. Yo, something's going to be in San Francisco. Is it? I think it's the Museum of Ice Cream. Is that oh, there? I saw that. Don't even worry about it. Oh, all right, all right, all right. My bad, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think. It's a museum of ice cream. I think it's 29 Rooms, too. I don't know. 29 Rooms is out in D.C., too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say Candytopia, too. I don't know. I might I might have been really I think they're in Chicago now. They're, um, they're in Philly. They're in Philly. Oh, in Philly now. Philly. Okay, so I guess the next coming city might be Chicago. I could have swore I thought they were in Chicago. Yeah, or they just left Chicago. I'm not too sure. 
Um, I think they're in Arizona too. But as always, I appreciate you. We yeah, gotta track boy. down. Y'all have a good night. Good night, your voice, Right on. Same here. Same here. All right. Good night, y'all. All, All right. right. So this this turned out into a very. I, I like calling people. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. I think we should do it again next week. Or, or we should do it on, or we should do it again. Soon. Yeah. I like I like, I like I the like, calling people. Yeah, because it is more random. Yeah, yeah, we get completely random. random. Yeah. Um You got an episode coming? Um, yes. I got well actually <clears throat> I think the next episode is gonna be kinda laid back. Um for anybody who's listening, remember the picture I put up? For the episode twelve, the side, the one we did, the size matters. Yeah, that couple. Mm-hmm. Have you been following them? No, dude, they are breaking the internet. Mm. Like they, they're send whole, it to me. All right. <laughs> so uh, my next episode, I want to do on intimacy. Okay. Um, and then the following episode, I'm going to need you. It's probably going to be in two parts because it's going to be on boobs. <laughs> I love titties. So, titty, 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 yeah. titty. <laughs> so, the, so the next episode, which which might be out tomorrow, Randy's looking forward to the titty episode. Okay, for some reason. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot do that one on my own. I have to have you, and I'm probably gonna get my man who I did the one with on Sunday. Okay, I'm gonna make sure to release him on Tuesdays. I will not do another Sunday. Yeah, laptop. I mean, if you talking about booze, Teddy Tuesday. I mean, uh, <laughs> gotta be. And I'm probably right. gonna get some tacos. Oh, you know, I think tomorrow's National Taco Day. It's tomorrow Tuesday. It's it's Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't count. Uh, uh, Cadoba is giving double the points now. Okay, mm. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I got going, man. I got a, I got three. Oh, and also, you know, if anybody's out there listening, we coming up on Christmas time. Yes. Um. I'm gonna give some shit away. Oh, some laptop chronicles type things. Thank y'all, and you giving shit away. I think for this year's Friendsgiving, I'll be calling people. Um, you and I will talk about it. Um, we'll call some people, get involved with my Padron families. Uh, shout out to everybody. Shout out to Pre. Uh, it's predestined the podcast. Shout out to Pre. Shout out to uh yes. Uh, shout out to Coach Class Podcast. Shout out to Four Twenty Wrap Up. Shout out to Relevant. I'm sorry, Relevant Regular Podcast. Shout out to Aline and his podcast, The Laptop Chronicles. <laughs> uh, shout out to my man Hus SDE Podcast. Shout out to Stacy with. Uh, Raw Brown Sugar Podcast. Shout out to Norm. Shout out to first of all, make sure you go buy everything Norm is doing. Norm is yes, still doing do. great. Yes. Um, being played on Sirius Radio. Um, shout out to Lo. Lo actually just dropped a, a tribute episode to uh Proof. Okay. Um, with DJ Los, I believe the guy's name. Uh, he's he was cool with Proof or something like that. It's two okay. guys that was cool with Proof. He dropped the episode with them. Shout out to uh. Um, our man Jr. Swift. Um, Jr. Swift. He has uh the record Vito D. I think it's on Conway album. It's okay. uh the record has El Camino, Conway, Dave East, and Jim Jones. Um, Conway album is amazing. 
Shout out to everybody, man. Godspeed. Baltimore County forever. Love y'all. Hey. Yeah. <laughs>